0: Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 15 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, the podcast. Our episode today is the Justice Department's new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss the recent announcement by the Department of Justice of its new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. The Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, on November 26, 2017, announced the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. Unlike his predecessors, Rosenstein did not issue a new policy memorandum, such as the Eric Holder Memorandum, the Larry Thompson Memorandum, or the Paul McNulty Memorandum. Instead, Rosenstein announced the changes and implemented them by amending the U.S. Attorney's Manual, which governs all federal criminal prosecutions. Rosenstein's procedure does not involve any substantive difference, but symbolically he was seeking to sort of reduce DOJ's issuance of guidance or policy memorandum, especially those bearing names of various department deputy attorney generals. The new FCPA enforcement policy is based on the prior FCPA pilot program, which was issued in April 2016. Under the pilot program, a company could earn up to a 50% reduction from the lower end of the U.S. sentencing guidelines range applicable to the company's violations if it voluntarily disclosed the conduct, fully cooperated with the investigation, and implemented timely and appropriate remediation to its ethics and compliance program. The pilot program defined the standards for each of these three requirements, voluntary disclosure, full cooperation, and timely and appropriate remediation. Under the new FCPA enforcement policy, the Justice Department created a significant benefit for companies wishing to disclose, cooperate, and remediate. Companies that satisfy these three requirements will be entitled to a presumption of a declination. Such a presumption can only be overcome in specific aggravating circumstances, which include, uh, in the examples that were given by the Justice Department, one, involvement by executive management of the company in the misconduct, two, a significant profit to the company from the misconduct, three, pervasiveness of the misconduct within the company, and four, criminal recidivism. The declination, if earned, still comes with a cost, A company has to disgorge any ill-gotten gains from the bribery conduct. If a company does not qualify for the declination and still must be prosecuted criminally, presumably because of the presence of aggravating factors, the company can still earn a 50% discount from the bottom of the sentencing guidelines range and usually avoid the imposition of a corporate monitor. The key features here are two, a guarantee of a 50% discount and the probable avoidance of a corporate monitor. The, t- the declination disgorgement addition and the 50% guarantee with the absence of a monitor provides significant incentives for companies to seek protection under the new policy. These two new changes each create significant in- incentives so that companies should reconsider when in the balance between voluntary disclosure and non-disclosure, how to resolve that careful issue. The consideration between disclosure with all three requirements has to be weighed very carefully against non-disclosure, remediation costs, and the risk of detection and the ultimate penalty that could be paid in a situation when they are detected in the future. I've always advised companies to carefully consider whether to voluntarily disclose to the Justice Department potential FCPA violations. Once you cross the threshold into the Justice Department, you are under the control and influence of the Justice Department and its prosecutors in the FCPA unit. Prosecutors call the shots, they set the schedules, they determine the violations, and ultimately they fix a settlement subject to negotiations, of course. In the alternative and as an alternative strategy, a company can employ a different approach. One, they can investigate the potential violations, fully remediate the situation, and document every step they, they take to protect the company against future violations. They can also remediate by firing those individuals responsible for the conduct and those supervisors who should have known about the conduct. Without disclosing the conduct to the Justice Department, and if the department later learns that about the conduct, the company can still cooperate and remediate the past violations and argue to the Justice Department that its prior efforts were sufficient. Of course, the company's investigation has to be robust and follow all leads of potential involvement and culpability, and the remediation efforts have to be significant. The risk in this situation is one of detection and increased future penalties, increased over what would otherwise have occurred had the company voluntarily disclosed the matter. Depending on the company's culture, its historical record of addressing wrongdoing, and its commitment to remediation, a company can clearly decide not to disclose the conduct to the Justice Department and deal with any future consequences if the wrongdoing is subsequently learned. In the event that the Justice Department has initiated an investigation and the company cannot disclose or earn the credit for a voluntary disclosure, the company can still earn up to a 25% discount from the bottom of the U.S. sentencing guidelines range by fully cooperating and remediating its compliance program. The specific requirements under the Voluntary Disclosure and Cooperation prongs continue to track the pilot program requirements as defined in April of 2016, and I don't plan to repeat them in detail here. However, I do want to turn to a discussion of the third prong, which is the timely and appropriate remediation. The new policy has some slight changes in the remediation area that I want to highlight and address also the overall requirement. In order for a company to receive full benefit for remediation and avail itself of the benefits of the FCPA corporate enforcement policy, the company has to effectively re- re- remediate the problems at the time of the resolution of the case. First, the company has to demonstrate that it analyzed the causes of the underlying co- conduct. This is called the root cause analysis. And, where appropriate, the company has to remediate the root causes. The root cause analysis has taken on greater significance through the years and is an important inquiry needed to understand why the company's financial and compliance controls were not able to detect and prevent the illegal conduct. It is a more intensive review and analysis than a risk and compliance program assessment and is targeted to the specific facts underlying the violations. Second, the company has to implement, at the time of the resolution, an effective compliance and ethics program, the criteria for which will be periodically updated and which will vary based upon the size and resources of the company. But typically, the department said, should include the following elements. A, the company's culture of compliance, including awareness among employees that any criminal conduct including the conduct underlying the investigation, will not be tolerated. B, the resources the company is dedicated to compliance. C, the quality and experience of the personnel involved in compliance such that they can understand and identify the transactions and activities that pose a, com- a potential risk. D, the authority and independence of the compliance function and the availability of compliance expertise to the board. The Justice Department's remediation requirement includes a modification from the FCPA pilot program. This specific factor that I just read about the authority and independence of the uh, compliance function and the availability of compliance expertise to the board is a modified version. The original language included the factor and just stated the independence of the compliance function. Again, the new factor states as follows, the authority and independence of the compliance function and the availability of compliance expertise to the board. The new language includes the addition of authority of the compliance function and the reporting relationship of the compliance function to the board of directors. I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, but the term authority reinforces the overall trend of maintaining an empowered CCO in corporate governance structures. Additionally, the CCO's access to the board and regular reporting to the board is emphasized with the new language and reflects increasing concern over the importance of regular reporting by the CCO to the board. Returning to the other factors for an effective ethics and compliance program, Factor E, the effectiveness of the company's risk assessment and the manner in which the company's compliance program has been tailored based on that risk assessment. F, the compensation and promotion of the personnel involved in compliance in view of their role, responsibilities, performance, and other appropriate factors. G, the auditing of the compliance program to assure its effectiveness, and H, the reporting structure of any compliance personnel employed or contracted by the company. So returning to the factors, we had first the root cause analysis. Second, we had the effective ethics and compliance program standard. And third now is the company has to demonstrate that it meted out appropriate discipline of employees, including those identified by the company as responsible for the misconduct, either through direct participation or failure in oversight, as well as those with supervisory authority over the area in which the criminal conduct occurred. Fourth, the FCPA corporate enforcement policy adds a new factor relating to document preservation requiring companies to maintain appropriate retention of business records, and prohibiting the destruction or deletion of business records, including software that generates communications but does not retain business records, such as Snapchat and other available social media systems. The Justice Department's concern about document retention reflects its unfortunate experiences when companies failed to retain documents or use technologies that did not preserve records of communications. Overall, the new policy should be carefully considered by companies. From a proactive standpoint, companies have to invest in their ethics and compliance programs. As I've repeated myself over and over and over and over, ethics and compliance programs not only protect companies from government enforcement actions, but they promote good governance, positive morale, productivity, and ultimately sustainable growth. I'm not sure what impact the new policy will have on the number of voluntary disclosures that occur. I expect there will be some increase, but not a significant increase. It will be interesting to monitor, however, how the aggravating factors exception to the declination presumption is applied to situations. I expect the situation will be applied fairly, that the exception will be applied fairly, and to those cases that truly deserve to be criminally prosecuted, notwithstanding a company's compliance with the three requirements of disclosure, cooperation, and remediation. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www www.volkofflaw.com our award-winning blog corruption, Crime, and Compliance and our new podcast series you can contact me at my email address mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com let us know how we can help you achieve your goals